Hello and welcome to the Graveyard Shift, the weekly horror podcast where I take listener-suggested movies and break them down into the good, the bad, and anything else we find fun or très bien. I am Mike, and I never work the Graveyard Shift alone. Please say hello to the guest you can trust to keep it together during a murder cover-up, Heather (laughs) Silman. Hey guys, it's Heather Silman. I do not speak French, nor can I do a French accent, but... Mike, that was great. Ah, <laughs> uh, merci, mon chéri. Oui, oui. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> That's also the cue for a bathroom break. Right? I have to wee oui, wee. Oui. If you're wondering what the French accents are about, it's because of this week's movie. Today's episode is The Frenchman Always Slaps Twice. <laughs> because we watched Les Diaboliques. Directed by Henri-Georges Coulouseau, produced by the same, screenplay by the same, and Jerome Geronimi, based on She Who Was No More, by Pierre Boileau and Thomas Nachezak, or Nachezak. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to pronounce that either. (laughs) (laughs) Music by George Van Paris, cinematography by Armand Serrad, edited by Madeleine Gug, which, you know, that's a weird... French name. Yeah. Distributed by several French companies. I'm not going to bother. They're just abbreviations and such. Exactly. Don't. Uh, Released January 29th, 1955 in France and November 21st in 1955 in the U.S. With a Hmm. runtime of 114 minutes and 107 minutes in the U.S. Although the version we watched was like two hours. So somehow they found extra scenes. I think so. I think it was like an hour and 57 minutes, something like that. So, yeah, right at two hours. And this has a Rotten Tomato score of 96%. Oh, my God. I guess I I don't even know what to say about that, to be honest with you, because I guess maybe I'm the outsider. Maybe I'm the black sheep of, you know, (laughs) black and white films. You're the black and white sheep. Am I the only person? Well, am I the only person that doesn't like them? Because... (laughs) 96%? 96%? Well, the black and white movies we covered on the show were hit and miss before, but this one's definitely yeah. this one definitely came out with, with accolades. Mm-hmm. So, who does it star? It has Simone Signoret as Nicole Horner, and if you ever heard of the uh, the artist Nina Simone, she took her mm-hmm. she took her name from Simone Signoret. Okay. And Vera Cluzo as Christina de la Salle. Now, if you're wondering that Clouseau sounds familiar, it's because she is the wife of the producer and director. She is. Also starring Paul Maurice as Michel de la Salle and Charles Vanel as Alfred Fichet, Jean Brochard as Plantivaux, Pierre Lacquie as M. Drain, Monsieur Drain, Michel Sarat as Monsieur Raymond, Tare Donny as Madame Herbeau, Noël Roquevert as Madame Herbeau, and Georges Polyjoli as Sodieu, Aminda Montserrat as Madame Plantivaux. Oh, that is so good. So French of you. Oh, merci, mon cher. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can tell you're getting flustered on the other end, like, oh, shit, it's working. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Now you understand Jesus. why they call it that. Well, now you understand why they call it the the language of romance. Just saying it makes you sound like 
Uh, right. Uh. It really, it is fair. I get that. But like I mentioned before, you know, when we were talking, I just, I think Italian language is much prettier. Well, they're rooted in the same, like the many of the words yeah. are the same because they all, they all yeah. spring from Roman. Well, that's true, but you know, I'm just saying yeah. it just sounds better to me. <laughs> <laughs> And the food probably just a little bit better. Although French cuisine is not much to to snare at. The Italians definitely got the reputation for like just nailing it. That's true. Uh, so before we get into the trivia, uh, do you have any trivia? Um, I do actually have some regular trivia. Um, if you want me to get into that first, just sure. some, you know, little fa- little fun facts. Um, about the movie. So my first uh, piece of trivia would be that. So this was supposed to have been um, influenced to the 1960 classic Psycho. So, you know, obviously Alfred Hitchcock, he was actually a really big fan of this film. And for some reason, it doesn't specify, or at least I didn't find out why, but he lost out on making it. He, and, he um, tried to get the rights, but he, from what I found, he couldn't. He, he missed his uh, his his option to purchase it by just a few hours. So it could have been just oh, like man, a critical okay. fuck up or he slept in, but it was just like <clears> a <throat> slight fuck, just a slight delay. And he lost mm-hmm. out on the rights to, uh, to, to shoot it. Yeah. Well, and then of course, like I said, it was supposed to give influence to the 1960 classic psycho, which after viewing this film, uh, I'm not really sure that I see the influential aspects in it, but that might just be me. But I'll go ahead and give you the rest of my trivia or my stuff, my fun facts. Uh, So the film gained extra notoriety. I think it was like five years after it was made due to the fact that Christina played by, uh, is it Vera Clouseau? Yep. Okay. She died suddenly of a heart attack at the age of 46 Ironically, her character in the film suffers from a weak heart. So I thought that was kind of crazy. It was like she made the movie, had this heart condition. It didn't specify what was wrong with her heart. But yeah, then she like ends up dying of a freaking heart attack. Um, So we have at the end of the film, there was this message. And it was one of the first examples of an anti-spoiler message, which this was one of the first films I, I I think I've ever seen that I've seen anything that had some sort of message at the end. And it basically requested that the audience uh, not disclose the plot. I think one of the movie posters for the film, it even read something like, see it, be amazed by it, but be quiet about it. So I thought that was pretty clever. It's like, hey, don't ruin it for everybody else. Because you know how it is. You watch a film and you're like, oh, my God, wait till you see the end. Wait till you see this part. Then everybody's like, well, what happens? And then you end up telling them and ruin the whole entire movie. Um, My last little piece of trivia that I put was uh, it was actually this film was actually included in the list of 1001 movies you must see before you die. Um, It says it was edited by Steven Schneider, but I've never read the article, so I'm not for sure on the 1001 movies you should see before you die. Um, but apparently the, this was one of them. 
I so, a thousand and one movies. Yeah, I'm sure you can see why. <laughs> anyway, so that that was my little bit of um, regular trivia. What about the? Uh, you mentioned that you had like other trivia. Well, okay, so I did a little bit of research on it. You know, I wanted to try to maybe give a little bit of subtext into not really the. I don't really want to say the plot of the movie, but kind of like the basis of how it was founded or whatever. Cause you know, it was, um, it was actually based off of a novel written by Pierre Boulet, mm-hmm. I think, and Thomas Narsajak. We're just going to go with that. Sounded good to me. All right. So in the original story, you have the two female characters that were actually very openly in a lesbian relationship, but then you have the movie and it's downplayed and, they even try to heteronormalize it as to make it seem like these two women are just friends. They're, they're not lovers. Well, even though that this, even though this was done, you can still sense the lesbian undertones in the film between the two female characters. Uh, when the two women spend the weekend at Nicole's house, you see that they sleep in the same bed, which probably wouldn't be that strange. You know, I've slept in the bed with my best friend and stuff like that. This was 1955, totally different. So throughout the film, the two women were always really physically close to one another, which when I saw it, I was like, okay, something else is going on. They're, they're obviously more than friends. And there are even references made by Nicole to Christina in terms of calling her darling and kissing her on the cheek. Uh, there's also a lot of closeness and caring between the two women that could be misconstrued as intimacy. Nicole is, in fact, more dominant, and if you look at it, you can look at it in two different ways. If you see that she's more dominant, that would show us that there may be more of this kind of mother-daughter relationship going on, or perhaps Nicole, all right, in more modern terms, is the butch in the relationship. But again, the mother-daughter relationship seems more like it was a cover-up. You know, it was just kind of like, let's have this kind of theme going on so you don't see the fact that these two women actually have some sort of sexual chemistry going on. Yeah, it's that, it's that, that coding yeah. that, the, uh, that the past was famous for. Exactly. And so that's kind of what I compiled together myself and kind of wrote it in my own words. Because I, I felt like that when I first saw the film, when I was watching it, and, and they, you know, get on screen together. I said, and this is before I even knew that there was a novel that the movie was based on. I said... Uh, you can you could just sense it. And now they didn't really show it, of course. They didn't do anything that was particularly weird. But um, definitely, you could sense there was something else going on just from their actions. So that was that's all the trivia you're going to get from me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely, uh, definitely hits the nail on the head as to why yeah. it's a, a Pride Month. A movie because it's got like a yeah. the, the heavily implied and well coded lesbian relationship, which was more explicit in the novel. So, you know, exactly. these are queer characters, mm-hmm. even though you don't get to see a ton of it on the screen, sadly. But, you know, that's just the product of the time. Yeah. I mean, you just you sense the tension part of it. You just don't physically get to see anything being done. No, you want to see them hug each other, and then you're like, just scissor already. 
<laughs> God. Ah! <laughs> Kitty scissors. <laughs> there's, they're not a shark. Yeah, and especially since, like, th- there wasn't much uh, personal grooming going on back then, so it might sound like yeah. Velcro. Oh, dear God. Was there? We don't, I mean, no, I guess there wasn't, was there? That would have probably been something that most women didn't do, maybe? Well, it was French, so, you know. Uh, I knew you were going there. They pioneered it. (laughs) That's true. They did seem like two women ahead of of their time, though, honestly. (laughs) Very stylish. So, what is the plot? Well, basically, the story blends thriller and horror elements and the plot mm-hmm. is about a woman and her husband's mistress who conspire to murder the man. However, after the crime is committed, his body disappears and a number of strange occurrences ensue. And the film was the 10th highest grossing film of the year in France, with a total of 3,674,380 admissions. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a neat way to track box offices because you know they say oh mm-hmm. we did great at the box office it did bad at the box office you only have a certain yeah. you only have a dollar amount which is a unique way of tracking uh ticket sales because instead of just yeah like what if tuesday like you know in canada at least on tuesday mm-hmm. we uh tickets are cheaper so what if a movie only gets like a tuesday audience you know the box office wouldn't quite represent how many people are seeing the movie like you could have like Twice as many people seeing it on a Tuesday, but mm-hmm. it just wouldn't really show any uh, any difference. Yeah, instead of just doing it monetary, we want to see like uh, physically how many people actually went to the theater to see it. Yeah, so this is neat. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And still, like three point six million ticket sales. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, that's yeah, no, that's great. And it received the 1954 Louis de Luc Prize. I don't know who that guy is. I didn't have time to check, but <laughs> if it's uh-uh. worth mentioning, it's probably pretty prestigious. Yeah. So Clouseau, the director, after finishing The Wages of Fear, optioned the screenplay rights, preventing Alfred Hitchcock from making the movie, which, you know, pushed him to uh, really go for Psycho. Mm-hmm. And Robert Block, the author of Psycho, stated that his all-time favorite horror film was Diabolique. Okay. And it was Clouseau's wife, Vera, who brought his attention to the novel. Clouseau read it through the night, and he, uh, the very next morning, he op- optioned the rights. Uh, him and his brother, Jean, who took the pseudonym Jeanne Jeanne-Ami, so that mm-hmm. guy we mentioned earlier was his brother. Okay. They spent 18 months adapting the novel. In the book, the action takes place between... I gained a bang and Nanti, but Clouseau transposed it to St. Cloud and Niart, his own birthplace. Okay. He, uh, he wasn't interested in the insurance scam. That was the crime motive in the book. He switched the gender of the murderers and invented the private school setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Hayward suggests that the gender switch made by Clouseau was caused not so much by censorship consideration, because in the novel, Lucien and Morel turn out to actually be lesbians. Mm-hmm. but by his desire to create a uh, sizable role for his wife. And the book only has one principal female character, Lucien, since the supposed victim, Muriel, disappears early on. Yeah. So Vera, with her distinctly feminine demeanor, was ill-suited for the role of Lucien, called Nicole, in the film. Mm-hmm. So in the script, Clouseau, so in Clouseau's script, Muriel, now named Christina, 
is the one who has a weak heart and is the object of manipulation of her husband, Michelle, and his mistress, Nicole. Mm-hmm. And Clouseau also followed convention that the culprits <clears throat> should be exposed by the detective in the end, which is a departure from the novel where the author just let them get away with it. Mm. Which I'll have my thoughts on later. Yeah. And uh, as far as casting, you know, Clouseau cast Simone Signoret in the role of Nicole. He previously filmed her husband, Yves Montagne, in The Wages of Fear, and the couple became friends. The director was also aware of Vera's limitations as an actress and needed someone to lend her support in such a demanding role. So Signoret signed an eight-week contract, but the shooting actually took 16 weeks. She ended up being paid for only eight weeks of work, despite, you know, 16 weeks of actual work being given <laughs> because she neglected to read the small print. And remember, this was a friend. Yeah, that's true. I actually read that little piece of uh, trivia as well. And I, I was like, oh, wow. So 16 weeks, but she only got paid for half of it. And yeah, that's why you read the fine print, ladies and gents. That's why you read it. Don't just trust because you share baguettes with somebody. On the uh, on the Riviera, that you know they're, they're not going to fuck you in terms of payroll. Exactly. He may not fuck you in real life, but he will fuck you any way he can. I hope not with the French baguette because those are pretty tasty. Actually, I'm not just anymore. saying. <laughs> so uh, the Signorette's co-star Paul Maurice also recalls in his memoirs that the actress was was further bemused by Clouseau's constant attempts to find clever ways of lighting mm-hmm. Vera's face while mm-hmm. muting the light on Cinderette so that she wouldn't upstage his wife. Mm. Like that that's that's some fucking insecure shit right there. It is, but they were both beautiful women, actually. Like I you know what I mean? They were both very attractive women, so Yeah. Although like the insecurity of just like you, you know what? I'm just going to make sure that she's like just slightly less beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's just dim the lights a bit so that you don't see how fucking hot she is. And let's up the lights so you see how fucking hot my wife is. Yeah, that's some insecurity shit going on. Yeah, we don't know if it was his insecurity or if the wife was just like, I am not going to be upstaged by that tart. Yeah, that's true. She was like a French Marilyn Monroe, if you ask me. <laughs> she really was. Uh, well, uh, Signorette apparently did work with Marilyn Monroe. Oh, wow. I didn't look up a lot of stuff on her, but I do know that she did several. I think she was like an Oscar winner or something. Like, I know that she was more notable than um, Christina's character. Uh, she'd done more films. I think Christina had only done, what, this was like her second film? I don't think she did very many, like maybe three yeah, she did work with Marilyn Monroe because she was an international film star, whereas uh, uh, Vera mm-hmm. only worked on uh, French films with her uh, with her husband. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's like, hey, we have these French films. Let's be in it. Like, obviously. She yeah, did- so Signorette did work with Marilyn Monroe, and apparently they were friends for a while. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's pretty cool. So uh, Clouseau knew Paul Maurice back from 1939 when he was when Maurice was trying to pursue a singing career. Uh, Clouseau was trying to sell his songs to Edith Piaf, who was Maurice's lover at the time. Mm-hmm. So that guy got to bang Edith Piaf, who was like one of the most famous French singers of the 20th century. Damn. 
And by the uh, 1940s, Maurice had become an established stage and screen actor known for icy and sophisticated villains. So he seemed a natural choice for Michelle. And uh, I fucking agree. Yeah. And the film created a sensation upon its release. It's been compared to uh, Hitchcock films, which, you know, makes sense. And my last bit of trivia, it got a remake in 1996, which starred Sharon Stone and Kathy Bates. Oh my now, god. It, had, it has a different ending where they actually do get away with it. But I didn't bother reading all of it. Mm-hmm. But it was a box office bomb. And Sharon Stone got nominated for a Razzie. It has a Rotten Tomato score of 18%. So I'm glad we went with the original. Uh, Yeah, in comparison. You said it was in, when did it come out? 96. 96. I don't. I, I was going to try to look it up. Just I was curious because I was like, oh, Sharon Stone and Kathy Bates. It should be decent, right? Hmm. It should yeah. be. No, it obviously it wasn't. Actors doesn't mean you have a good writer. That's very true. They should have left it alone. Yeah, just say the same things in English. Yeah. Maybe change like just the ending and that's it. I think I'm going to check it out, though. I'm going to try to see if I can find the 96 version. I'm just curious to see how they conveyed it over to that would be more modern, of course, times. And let's see, like, because Kathy Bates and Sharon Stone together, that's kind I, of strange. I don't think they were the pair. Like, there were. Okay. Uh, there were <laughs> I was fixing to say, uh, like, like, no. No, I don't want to see that. No. No, I, do, I don't either. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh! But uh, my, I have like a side tangent to that, and mm-hmm. that was the uh, the Flintstones movie features a character named Sharon Stone mm-hmm. as an in joke because you know, of course, it's the fucking Flintstone. So if they got someone mm-hmm. actually named Stone, they're going to go for it. Exactly. Now the producers of the movie actually tried to hire the real Sharon Stone to play Sharon Stone. But because she was shooting Diabolique at the time, she had to turn the part down. A decision that she came to re- that she regretted later. You know, when you regret turning down being in the Flintstones movie for something else, that's something else was a real fucking mistake. That movie was garbage then. Yeah, it had you know, to when be. You, when 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 you think, "I oh, man, I wish I did the Flintstones instead." Jesus, that that tells you the wrong turn at Albuquerque you made. That's pretty bad because I'm sorry, the Flintstones are, <laughs> those were some cheap, it, it was cheesy. It was. Yeah. Well, the worst part, I think like most critics and people can agree, the with the look of the movie was mm-hmm. fantastic. John yes. Goodman, excellent casting. Rick yeah. Moranis fucking killed it as Barney. Fucking love Rick Moranis. Oh my God, I love him. So the casting, fucking great. They yeah, nailed it. The look, the art, the special effects, they fucking nailed it. Except the plot to the movie was just too, like, convoluted and adulty. Like, they forgot, like, what made it great for kids to watch? Mm-hmm. Because, again, they nailed the look. So much was focused on the appearance, and that was, like, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. But just when it came to, like, what are these people <laughs> going to do? That's yeah. when they completely shit the bed. Uh, okay, so not to get off track, but I did look up the Diabolique from 1996 with Sharon mm-hmm. Stone. So, yes, she plays Nicole Horner's character, 
Um, so Kathy Bates actually plays the detective, Detective Shirley Vogel, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god, I'm trying to see. Like, I'm just looking real quick, not to get, go on a tangent on this, but I was trying to see if there was actually a character named Christina. I'm not seeing it, but there is who I'm assuming is supposed to be the Christina character, and it's Mia Barron, and it looks like it's played by Isabel Ajani. I do not, I don't know who she is. I mean, yeah, that's why I didn't mention her before. Exactly. Like, I have to figure out how to pronounce her. Well, and who the hell is she? Well, she she was born in Paris. That's that's kind of what I see. But other than that, oh my god, this this got a five point four out of ten stars. <laughs> oh god, has Shirley Knight in it too? Oh Jesus Christ. Okay. Anyways. Anyways. All right. So this movie. Uh huh. And we start with the goods. And we start with me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say right off the bat, it's very chilling music Mm -hmm. at the beginning for rain falling on concretes, rain falling on concrete while the credits scroll. And we even hear like a kid's choir come in and then like the Mm -hmm. fucking organ comes out of nowhere. Like it's chilling. Yeah. And also what made me laugh was seeing the word script girl in the (laughs) French credits. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. Like I saw that. And girl don't have a French translation. I'm Mm-mm. pretty sure they do. So yeah. the credits, like in terms of presentation and suspense, right off the bat, they fucking killed it. And that little goof made me laugh. So there we go. What's your first good? Okay. So I do agree with you on that first good. Um, I didn't put it as mine, but my first good was um, I thought it was pretty revolutionary that these two women were plotting the murder of an abusive man. Um, I think back in 1955, that would have been something, obviously, if you were married, regardless of you being, you know, French or American, it doesn't matter. That would have been something that was not, you just keep your mouth shut, right? If if your husband's abusive, they didn't do anything. There was not divorce. And the fact that she even wanted divorce, right? She, I know that was part of the plot to try to kill him, but I thought it was really cool. I was like, oh, it's two women. They're the the villains in the movie instead of it being just this, you know, guy or whoever. Usually it's a male. So I thought that was pretty good. Indeed. Like, that they would make, that they would dare confront the subject was pretty damn bold. And yes, again, like my next good is Michelle is a fucking great villain, a smooth talker to people he's trying to impress, and a hateful bastard to anyone he has control over. Like he is just a cruel, vicious, insecure bastard. Yeah, yeah, he was. I hated him. (laughs) He did his job. Yeah, very much. (laughs) So, yeah, what's your your next good? All right, now, I only have three goods, so my second, I I know. Look, I tried. I was like, (laughs) let me go back through and recheck my stuff and let me see. Um, So, at first I had two, now I have three. So, you got three (laughs) for me, Okay. So I thought it was pretty cool that Christina actually owned the boarding school. 
And again, I felt that this would be a rarity, especially in the 1950s. The fact that a woman owns her own, I don't want to say business, you know, it was a boarding school, but that to me, that was kind of, that was kind of cool too. It was like, oh, well, this is her boarding school. Like it doesn't belong to the husband, though he was trying to take it from her. He was, you know, trying to get rich off of her, but it was like, she came into her own. So go girl. There you go. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Well, my next good is like only because of the subtitles. I, I don't know if they were taking liberties or if they were like directly translating the words, but this was a fifties movie where we see a guy calling a woman a bitch. Yeah. Oh, God. I think I mean, several times. <laughs> well, yeah, it happens several times by several people. Like the upstairs neighbors calling them bitches and daughters of bitches because like their, their plumbing is drowning out his radio program. I would be expecting profanity like that to be coming from like the very late 60s or early 70s. But to see it in a 50s movie, I just thought it was so bold and yeah. outrageous. I got to put it down as a good because it's just like, wow, they dare to cuss in a 50s film. That's true. And I mean, yeah, and the bitch word was mentioned, I'm pretty sure, at least a couple, two, three times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a bitch, though. I'm just saying. (laughs) So what's your next good? All right. This is my final good. (laughs) I mean, you know what? I may agree with you on some of your goods because I know that you have more and that's okay. Um, So my final good would be the revenge ending. I really watching this whole film. It took a while to build up for me, of course. And then you get towards the end of it. And that's to me when the suspense started to actually like, It started to cook up. It was like, oh, wow, what the fuck is happening? There's like some weird shit happening. And I just, I don't know. It it was crazy. So I think they did really well at the ending. I just wish the entire movie would have been a little more suspenseful. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love the ending of it. It was great. Okay, then I'll just blast through my goods. Mm -hmm. Uh, The dead body in the tub. I Mm -hmm. mean, for the time, it was quite graphic. Yeah, because like any other movie would have just shown like like the top of his head or you know like just his feet sticking out of the tub because yeah. like we can't we can't show like a a bloated uh, corpse in agony and distress like it, it would just like shock people in the audiences make them faint or whatever so when you see like eyes bul- like bloated eyes bulging out of his head mm-hmm. and, oh like I just thought it was so cool no I I agree I agree. I I thought that was pretty, I actually thought that was pretty good because I was kind of like the same thing. I was like, oh, wait a minute. They actually show him being drowned, which would have been kind of satire at that time. Like, I can't believe you actually are showing this person being killed. Yeah, they're not just like implying the kill with like someone's face off to the side, but like Mm -hmm. seeing him being held down, like bubbles coming out. I was just like, wow. Like, just for daring to do this at the time. Exactly. Like, I can see why this made, like, an impression. Mm-hmm. And the real talk in <laughs> such an old movie mm-hmm. just blew me away. Like, we see the kids, they're talking about the principal banging two chicks. Yeah. And uh, they're just like, why do you think he's gone? Oh, maybe he's in heat. Mm-hmm. 
Like, they're people talking like actual people. Nothing contrived or simplified for the audience. That's true. Like they're just talking like actual people. They were just being boys. You know what I mean? Like, if you thought yeah. about what a boys boarding school would be like, uh, it's not like the movies. I get what you're saying. They were actually just talk, kind of talking trash. Like, hey, we know that the principal is having an affair. Like, we're not stupid. <laughs> so, I get that. Yeah. And more was when you hear a toilet flushing. Mm -hmm. Because the Hays Code strictly forbade the showing of a toilet in a movie because I guess pooping was like this new gross hobby people started doing. <laughs> yeah. So we hear a toilet flush when they're trying to like dump the body in the pool uh -huh. and a light comes on and turns out it's just a kid going to the bathroom. And I was just like, wow, they actually inserted the sound of the toilet flushing like they acknowledged plumbing exists. Exactly. It was, it was okay to poop and... Yeah. If you were French, and then also in 1955, it was fine. To and if you're a boy, because girls don't do that. Oh, yeah, girls. Only skeezy stoners fart. Girls don't fart or poop. So the, the tension throughout the movie, as the secret weighs on them, and like the, the fact that the body is missing put cracks into their alliance, and, and their friendship, which, as, we, as you mentioned before, does show signs of being more. And mm -hmm. if it were made today, it, it definitely would have gone into that direction because it would have been more faithful to the novel. Yeah. Uh, another great is the coroner doing his actual fucking job. And when someone wants to see the body, he's not just like, oh, okay, total stranger, come on in. He actually like feeds her some bad details, mm -hmm. which she has to disagree with. <laughs> So that he knows that she's not just like seeking attention or wasting his time. I remember that, but would that be a relevant thing that would happen these days though, right? I don't think you can just go to the morgue and say like, uh, hey. yeah, the, that body you brought in. I think it's I, my husband. I want to identify, yeah, I want to identify it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure they'd be kind of thorough and be like, okay, can you describe what you look like? So yeah, they went through that, which I thought was, you know, actually like. Uh, a person doing a job and not mm -hmm. just being a fucking idiot. That's true. He did. He questioned her very hard. It was almost like, I'm not going to let you see this body until you tell me every single detail, even birthmarks, everything. So, and then, and then we find out why, because it takes like about a good five minutes for them to go to the freezer, pull the body out, exactly. lug it up the elevator. So, yep. you know, he, he valued the time of the other employees as well as his own. So, well, you know, he did, he did good. And the French do it better than. <laughs> uh, the suspense is I think it's quite well done because you want the girls to get away with it because yep. you know, given how Michelle was he, they were right to do it Yes, they were in a world and in a time that would not support them for being his victims and escaping him mm -hmm. and right to the last minute you don't know if someone found the body took it away and they're just fucking with them or if there actually is like a soaking wet zombie yeah. out for revenge from beyond the grave. Like to the very last minute, it could go either way. You just don't know. And that possibility is mm -hmm. just like, what is it? What is it? Like, I'm expecting like a French version of Father's Day from Creepshow. Yeah. Where he just like opens the door. Oue mon gâteau. Exactly. Like, that's what I thought too. I was like, wait a minute. What the actual fuck is going on? Because for a film made in 1955, they really amped it up on the suspense. And they kind of had you scratching your head the whole time. You're thinking, okay, you saw them drown him. You saw this. 
He was underwater. He was under the water. They put the statue on him, and it was like, he looked pretty dead to me. And they gave him the whatever. It was. I, I don't know what it was that they put in the, in the drink, but they gave it to him. And so you're like, okay, this dude's dead. But I would have never thought what happened at the end, it, you know, happened. It, it, was, it was pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, and uh, the ending was terrifying in its simplicity mm-hmm. and was a shocking twist. Mm-hmm. And the the final good was the no spoilers warning mm-hmm. at the end. That was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty novel for the time, like, please don't ruin the ending. Because you wouldn't think a movie made back then that they would do something like that. And like I, like I mentioned before... I've never seen a movie that I can recall that actually had some type of spoiler message in it at all. It was like, oh, let's like make sure that people don't ruin the ending of this movie so that more people will go and see it and see what happens. So that was, that was whoever, you know, they were pretty smart. Yeah. I think the bad seed might have had a uh, spoiler warning. Oh, I didn't watch that, so I didn't I see the black you. and white one. I did see the remake. So now we'll get to the bads. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, what's your first bad? All right. So, considering how I feel about this film, um, I only have two bads because the what you know the other part of it. I'm just. I, it kind of they all kind of mix in together. But anyway, so my first bad would be. That Michelle, Michael, uh, you know what? He was the principal of the school, but he didn't even feed the kids very much to eat, right? Like there's a whole scene where they're getting ready to, I guess, to eat lunch or dinner. I'm not sure. And it's like he just sends them, oh, they were being rowdy. And it's like they're hungry, but he doesn't even feed them. He, he like barely feeds them. And I know there's a scene where he's talking to Christina And I think she says, oh, we only give them like one piece of sausage and a scoop of potatoes. Like they're growing boys. Like they obviously need to eat more. And it was like, were you doing this to cut cost? Were you a greedy son of a bitch? I don't know. Yeah. Like he's talking to the, uh, to the, to the lunch server. Yeah. And they're talking about like, this is yesterday's fish. Like, mm-hmm. it, like it's like it's either going bad or it's gone bad. It's like just put onions in it to mask the smell. It was so terrible. So it was like it wasn't even his school. It wasn't even his nothing. He he married her, and so it was like, but he ran everything. And I noticed that I was like, oh, he ru- no, he runs the show. Uh, well, like she mentions like dowry mm-hmm. when uh, she's when she's divorcing him. So. I think like the school may have been hers, but because she married him, it became his. Oh yeah. That's how that goes. What's yours is mine. Or like she owned it. She owned it, but he has control of it. So that's why he, and that's why the, uh, well, we might as well. It. Okay. If you haven't seen this movie and you're thinking about watching it, Mm -hmm. you know, we haven't spoiled that much, but, Mm -mm. uh, you know, stop right now. Watch the movie if you're interested, because mm-hmm. like it's it's like very spoiler sensitive. It is, but it uh, is. afterwards we're going to talk about uh, the the plot twist at the end. So you know, get this movie in your head. It's fucking good, at least 
by my standards. <laughs> it's not terrible. I don't want everybody to think that I just, it's not terrible. It was she just. She hated. She just wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed, but it was also because, of course, subtitles. And when you're a little attention deficit like me, you kind of want to focus on the movie, but you want to also be able to read the subtitles so that you can understand what is happening in context. Yeah, and I'm, that- I'm dubs over subs because. Me too. Me too. Agreed. I just want to focus on what's happening all around the screen and take it all in. And the subs are just like, you're only making me look at the very bottom of the screen just so I can fundamentally understand what's happening rather than experience it. Exactly. And I think that's what distracted me from the film a little bit. Well, mostly because it was harder for me to pay attention. Um, I wanted to pay attention to both, but you, like I said, you have to be able to read what they're saying so that you can follow the context of what's happening in the film. And if you're lucky enough to find, I don't, could you even find a dub for this? Probably not. I doubt it. I don't know. We could probably make one. Yeah, I mean. It probably sound terrible, but we could do it. Well, there you go. Anyways. So, yeah, we will get into spoilers Mm -hmm. after this point regarding, like, what really happened, where the body went. Mm -hmm. So, you know, watch the movie if you have any interest at all, and Mm -hmm. then finish the rest of this episode. Yes. So, uh, my first bad was, you know, the kid pimping out his sister. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he t- he's telling his friend, like, hey, is your sister in the bathroom? Yeah, but remember to give me the cigarettes for the hole I made. So he he's pimping out his sister against her. Well, this is like the, the kids from Bloody Birthday. Yes. But, with, but, but without but without, you know, getting to see naked Julie Brown. That or uh the French version of Porky's. <laughs> right? Porky. Yeah, Porky. Because that's what they do. They put the holes in there so they can see the women or the girls taking a shower. So same thing. <laughs> yeah. So just the, just the implication, like the admission of this is quite shocking for a 50s movie. Mm-hmm. Again, like boys actually talking like boys. Yeah. But the fact that he was just like, I just want a pack of cigarettes. Like, just give me a pack of cigarettes. I think all the French smoke, right? Pretty much. Sorry if I offend yeah. anybody that's French, but I, I feel like they all fucking smoke. And it was like school. these kids are between like twelve and 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 fifteen. That's what I was wondering too. I was also wondering their ages because some of them look really little, and so some of them look like nine. Exactly, like the little boy who we'll get into later. Um, he looked like he yeah like nine ten maybe. So I was like, do they? I guess they do boarding school for that age. I don't. I really don't know. But smoking's bad. Yeah, they're probably all dead. Mm-hmm. They are. So, uh, what is your next bed? All right. So, I look, I'm going to be honest with you. The bads, <laughs> there's probably more bads that I could have put, but I think I picked apart certain things that just kind of irritated me. So, like, this is kind of my final bad, but I do have some what the fuck. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they kind of correlate with the bads. So, you have Michelle, or not Michelle, you have Christina and Nicole, excuse me, that are driving, right? They're, they're leaving, and look, they have this front view shot of the truck. And to me, I was like laughing because I said, is this truck even moving? Like it looked very cartoonish, <laughs> the right? green screen in the back. Exactly, but... 
when you see the truck passing, going to the side, you see that it's just a truck being driven. It's not, it doesn't look fake or anything. But I think that kind of like annoyed me because I said, what the fuck is happening? It's like, were they really going anywhere? Because it looked like they were just sitting in one of those like, um, one of those little virtual reality rides where you just kind of sit there and you're like, oh, I'm moving. But you're really not. It feels like you are. It was like the first Gazoom chat. God. I mean, see, I pick apart different aspects of it. I'm like, okay, I get it. That's not the context of the film. Like, people are going to watch it and they're going to not even pay attention to that. But I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so the big spoiler is coming up for my bad. Okay. And it's related to the retired cop. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just so fucking way too nosy. And for the most part, his smoke was never lit until the end. He just had, like, a cigarette between his teeth. Yeah, and he tried to light it, but it, like, never really looked like it was lit. Well, first he tried to use, like, a, a lighter that was in the tub for, like, a day and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah. Michelle's lighter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I would have just told this guy to fuck off. Like, he pushed his way into a, uh, Christina's business. He did. He did. But that's, I mean, like, I think he was just, was he trying to do his job? I don't know. Just just to show you. Well, he, no, he's retired. <clears throat> he doesn't have a job. Well, but, well, he was bored, I guess. Like He was just hanging out at the morgue, <laughs> waiting for people to not <laughs> identify missing bodies there so he, he could hunt down the real ones. Well, like, he was on he mission. He follows her and he's just like, hey, you should be happy it wasn't him. Yeah, that's true. I did wonder that because I was like, where did he come? He just like came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, like this shows you like, I don't know how much the character was in the novel because like in the novel, they get away with it. Yeah. The, gir- the girls are lesbians. They get away with it at the end. Exactly. So who's to say there even is like a, a detective, like a, a main detective rather than just like generic police. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't read the novel. I haven't read much about the novel, so I, I don't think it indicated that. So I think like the entire concept of the cop mm-hmm. was Clouseau was just like, this isn't going to get American appeal because of the Hays Code. Because a big part of the Hays Code was that villains never get away with their crimes. Exactly. Like you, you can't show people kissing for more than three seconds. You can't show a toilet. And the bad guys don't win. Uh, authority figures can be authority figures must be trusted. Like it was just yeah. some really dictator bullshit. It was. It was strange. So I think because this guy wanted to get an, uh, a North American audience, mm-hmm. he's just like we have to, you know, just completely fuck up the best part of the novel, where these sympathetic characters actually get what they deserve. So we had to go like the typical route of like, no, there is no, there is no actual monster. It was just a scam between the, the, the Michelle and Nicole, mm-hmm. who turns out isn't a lesbian, or at least like only pretended to be like a, a not fake lesbian. I don't even know the words, but. Yeah, she was like she a was lipstick a, lesbian. That's what I would yeah. say. Like she didn't really care about Christina. Maybe it was uh, Michelle that she she was after the entire time. Like she wanted to be with him. Yeah. So I 
given that they were actually lesbians in the book, probably mm-hmm. like they because they got away with it. So he was actually dead. Yeah, exactly. But for he, the most part in this movie, he's not. He's just, you know, kicking it somewhere. He's hanging just like, out. <laughs> just chuckling. What the fuck? <laughs> and so this entire cop, his entire, every just the fact that he's in the movie is where things go wrong. Because why would this guy just be hanging out at the morgue, waiting for people to walk in to identify a body, not scream and cry, Mm-hmm. And just be like, oh, I may have some business so that, you know, they can hire me to find the actual body since they didn't. Yeah. Like, like this is, this is your, this is your gig hunting. So it's that contrived and stupid. Mm-hmm. And then like, he just won't fucking shut up or leave her alone. No, he follows her everywhere. We even see a scene where he's watching Nicole or Christina fucking sleep. Yeah, like that was towards the end. Yeah, like it's like she turns the light on and it's like, what the fuck are you doing in my room? And he finally he's, lights a cigarette. Yeah, using, finally. Like, her lantern. It's like, what the fuck are you? How did you even get in? What? And the way he, and the way he's always just like, ah, oh, pardon my mind. Like he's always like getting in people's faces, like slouching mm-hmm. or like I see. This is where Columbo got his act from oh god where he's like getting in people's faces being too pushy just like being like the appearance of an annoying bumbler while while pumping people for information and getting what he needs this is where colombo got his act from that or maybe he was actually like fired from the police force because he was so insane because he was <laughs> like, like you got you got to stop harassing people. Yeah, like you can't show up just because you want to try to investigate this um, possible murder. You can't just show up and scare the shit out of people. They tell you they're not interested. Like take the hint and fuck off. Uh, he was bored. Poor old man. He was just and, bored. And it doesn't stop because yeah. after, like not only is he. In her, he sneaks into her room, waiting mm-hmm. for her to wake up so he can tell her, like, "Hey, I, you're, uh, you know, I'm on the case. You don't have to worry." And when she like tells him, like, you know, like my fucking heart's giving out, like just fuck off and let me die in peace. Exactly. He actually like turns around and says, like, "Oh, like, oh, so like the like she confesses everything." Mm-hmm. But he just takes it with a grain of salt, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry. In the morning, you'll be acquitted." It, yeah, I know. I, I I remember that. And I was like, wait a minute. She literally just told you, like, I killed him. And he was just like, oh, no, no. That's like what you think. Yeah, you think. Like, he, he fucking is. knows. That I, like, like, how he did he know? Knows. <laughs> he knew before we knew. Like, how do you know this shit? And so also, many conspiracies. Oh. And he walks in on the, when, like, Michelle and, and uh, Nicole... Like, they meet up, they, Mm -hmm. like, start making out, they're talking about, like, because, well, fuck, I forgot to, uh, like, I guess we'll, like, loop around to one good. Okay. Because the final good that I forgot to put in, like, I said the ending was terrifying in its simplicity, Mm -hmm. because uh, Nicole, like, she hears footsteps all throughout the place, like, like, this is, like, the best part of the fucking movie. Mm -hmm. Because you're hearing footsteps, you're seeing, like, a hand, like... With gloves, like, typing up, like, Michelle yeah. Desolée, Michelle Desolée, Michelle Desolée. Like, all work and no play makes Michelle a dull boy. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're seeing, like, some fucking... Like, you're seeing what ins- what inspired, like, some scenes from The Shining and shit. Like, you're seeing, like, the precipice of greater, greater of great movies. 
that would come later. And when she finally goes to the bathroom, like the footsteps lead her to the tub and you see Michelle still in the tub. And like, just like he's got like those bulging eyes. Oh and God. Then he starts to, then he fucking rises out of the tub. Like very slowly. It's like, you see his arm kind of go up, kind of holding the side of the bathtub. And oh, it's like, he sits. Yeah, like, it's like sits up and you're just like, Oh, fucking, is it fuck? gas? Like, is it gas? Is it just like, gas making the body move but no then the hand comes up and you're like oh fuck he's moving he's alive but or, remember or but remember they dumped his ass in the pool so it's like i can see why she was like what the fuck he's in the bathtub again like she remembers dumping him into that fucking pool yeah oh god that is so, so crazy and then, like, as he, like, stands up, she's, like, back against the wall, sweat dripping down her face. Yeah. And then she, like, clutches her chest because throughout the entire movie, it's been it's been stated several times, like, she's a frail creature. She has a weak heart. Exactly. So he doesn't even have to touch her. Mm-mm. Just, like, him approaching her. She's back against the wall, clutching her chest, sweat dripping down her face. Yes. And then she just, like, clutches one final time and drops dead to the fucking ground. Like, I mean, just falls. She is scared to death. And then we then like uh, Michelle knocks on the door. Nicole comes in. They're talking about how they're going to get, uh, you know, they're going to be rich. They got away with it. And then fucking Colombo comes out around the corner. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you'll have plenty of time to get. You'll have plenty. Of, you'll have the rest of your lives in jail. Yeah, he said 15 to 20 years to life, I think is what he actually was telling him. Because yeah. it's like they open the door and he, he, of course, he's standing there. It's like, were you listening the entire time? Yes, that's why I'm back on the bed, because he fucking waited for her to be murdered. Yes. So he could call her some scammers. Mm. He could catch them in the act, but not in the act, catch them after the act. But, okay, I, I don't want to interrupt you. So he you. knows, because he tells her she's going to be quitter, so he knows she's fucking innocent. She, he knows yes. that Michelle's alive, so he lets her get killed. But. So he could, so he mm, could catch them with a crime. But, I have to say, oh my god, and, and I don't want to go on a tangent, but the whole, like, you know, Christina dying of shock, which I get that. Like, she had a bad heart. She thinks that this husband of hers that she saw being killed is dead. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, he's in the fucking bathtub and he's coming back to life. I feel like there's a conspiracy going on because of the fact that did she really fucking die? Did she, because of the ending, because of what the little boy says that he <laughs> saw her. Okay. Sorry. I'm just saying. I feel like there's a whole nother little, there's a reason why the cop showed up. It's like, maybe there was an extra plot twist that it was left to interpretation. <laughs> oh my God. That would have been like, I'm just saying been like a, that would have been a great follow-up twist. It would have been. It turns out like, you know, the reason that she was like, the reason he was in her room was that he gave her like a, you know, like a, a fake your death. Exactly. That, that That's would take what I feel place like. Later. To I, fake a heart attack ooh. and then wake her up like a couple minutes later. But I still kind of feel like that could be a possibility. But even though at the ending it doesn't specify, it's just like we're done. No, they say she's dead. Like other they, people are just like, everyone's in jail or dead. The school's dead. The school's that, defunct. That, that's true. But the little boy, what was his name? Monette? Moinette? Yeah. 
he's like, I saw her. And then he fucking walks off. Well, you remember that he sees Michelle too, right? He's like, the whole time they're punishing him. Oh, Michelle, Michelle's supposed to be laying low while he's scamming everybody, but he takes time out of laying low and not being so that he can not even scare people that he can harass this fucking boy with the slingshot. Exactly. he, He has to take out little Denis the menace and he just, he, you know, the whole thing, like you're supposed to be missing. I'm going to discipline this child because I just fucking hate him. But wait a minute, what if he was like the little boy from the sixth sense and he saw dead people? <laughs> right? That's what I felt like because I was like, okay, so he's seeing this dead husband. He's seeing him and and they're like, no, you're wrong. You go sit in the corner for like six hours. And what the most f- part is like, what? this is my final bad mm-hmm. because they punish the kid on the last day of the school when it's closing down and his parents I are know. coming to pick him up and you still make him stand in the corner because he saw a dead woman. Like, fuck you. Exactly. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you? Just uh. let it slide. Like, let this fucking kid uh. have his weird paranormal experience and just fucking pack your little jalopy and go home. You have no authority over this child. The school is closed and done. Everybody's getting picked up by their parents. Yeah. <laughs> I was. It's just like he walked off and he has this little uh, slingshot, right? Because it was taken from him. But then they're kind of like, I think, uh, and I forget his name, but he's kind of like, why do you have this slingshot? And it's like, well, Mademoiselle gave it. She gave it to him. And it's like, she's supposed to be dead. And he even tells him, and he's like, well, I saw her. So, what the fuck actually happened at the end? Come on. Yeah, either this cop was more, either this cop saved her by giving her like a like a fake your death serum. I, I really feel like that's what happened. I'm sorry, that's what I'm going to go with. They just didn't bother showing us. Mm-mm. I think they wanted to leave it with the kind of, um, that whole, they went to jail, possibly. And she died, but really, what if she got the last revenge? What if she didn't die? <laughs> and it was a setup, right? Because she tricked, I don't know, it, it, it start going down the rabbit hole when you start doing that. Because then that would mean that she would have known that Michelle was not dead. That's why I figured, like, the detective probably would have given that to her while she was asleep. So exactly. that like, she could, so that her reaction would be genuine. Mm-hmm. Like, we we just don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. I've never so, known. Yeah, this cop, either he's a terrible cop, or he's secretly the best cop <clears throat> in the world, but we just weren't shown. <laughs> That's right. He's the best retired cop ever. And there were, like, again, like, he approaches the, the man and the woman, just like, oh, you're going to get 15 to 20. And that's it. Like, he doesn't show up with a group of other cops that he's no, calling. Like, it's just buddies. him. They could just kill him. And fuck off. He was like 170. Like, what are you doing? He just stood there. The two of them could have overpowered his old decrepit ass. I know. Like, Michelle's like a tennis player and a swimmer. He's in, like, it's remarked several times that he's very strong. Yeah, and he was only, what, like, 30? Okay. 34. 34, but this is the thing. Like, to me, I don't know if it's because of the black and white film that he looked older to me. But then when well, they people, were, they, people just looked older back then. From well, you know what? Way. They smoked a lot of cigarettes too. If they you did. notice that, that's all they did was it's like Mad Men. 
that the whole, every every black and white film is Mad Men. All they do is smoke cigarettes. That's all they do. Uh, so worst cop or best cop? Yeah. We just don't know, and that's why it's a bad. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also trailed into the the poor Denny the Menace getting getting fucking uh. told to sit in the corner. Like the corner's not going to be there anymore. That corner's going to get torn down. Like they're demolishing this fucking school, and everyone's just leaving. You can't like, punish. you can't why? punish a kid when you have no more authority. Like you don't exactly. have a job. And for six hours, he made him sit in that spot or stand in that spot. I was like, "What?" Just because you don't believe him, like, oh my god, is that like fucking corporal punishment? Like Jesus, you made him stand there. Did he eat dinner? Uh, we don't know. So that's my last bad. Okay. You ready for going to do a what the fuck then? Uh, I'm ready. I actually right. only, I don't have a ton of them, but I, they're, I, I think they're. I have one. <laughs> I have three. <laughs> <laughs> so you want me to go first? Sure. <laughs> All right. So my first, what the fuck is, um, so of course the husband I say Michael, but I know it's Michelle, but we're going to say Michael for the American audience. Um, when he's aggressively kissing Christina, it was basically like he was forcing himself on her. You could tell that she was like, I don't, don't kiss me. This is disgusting. I get it. French kiss. No, don't regular, don't American kiss me. Don't French kiss me. <laughs> and you know what? He's a fucking French douchebag. And also well, he that does rape her. He does. At the end of like the uh, the the dinner scene in, yes. in the hall, he like she just she like backs up into the corner. He goes after her, and all you hear is like, "No, no." Exactly, and it's disgusting because I think right then, whenever he's kind of like aggressively kissing her, you find out as well that Nicole, his mistress, and it's like no big deal. It's just right in front of her. Oh, okay, well, this is my mistress. And it was like so opened. Most of the time you would think, well, you know, the mistress is going to be hidden. And so the wife probably doesn't know. No, this shit was like out in the open. So he yeah. was a fucking piece of shit. Ugh. Yeah, Nicole was a fucking piece of shit for just like. Well, she was. We're, we're going to do this, abuse and traumatize this poor woman. And then we're yeah. going to murder her while I pretend to be her friend. <sighs> or her lover, really, but just saying. Apparently in the novel, they were lovers and they got away with this, so he actually was dead. So well, that would have been better. Backstabbing, I don't think there was any backstabbing bitchery. Like, no. You have to put in the, the, the plot because like evil can triumph or they, mm -hmm. like, they can't get away with it. So every person who did something that might be considered bad by anybody had to die or go to jail. Well, they should have kept it like the book. Yeah. I think it would have it would have been more it would have made more sense in the in that sense of being like, well, we're these two lovers and we want to get rid of this man. But yeah, instead, it just might have it just might have not been filmed or released in North America if well, it was. That's true, but Nicole was more of a fucking douchebag maybe than fucking Michelle was. Cuz it was like you just fucking betrayed your friend. Yeah, who he was you were honest about his prickness. It, but she was like fucking her, her husband, and it was like ugh, so much drama going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, my only what the fuck is a four, is like a 13 to 14 year old boy opens the window and we see a fucking six pack on this kid. Oh my God. I remember that. It's one of the few pictures I sent you and I'm just like, am I just seeing shit? No, he had a six pack. This 14 year old boy was fucking cut. Like it was like opening scene, right? That, that opening scene, it was like, what the fuck did I just see? I actually even rewinded it. Like I pushed it back. I was like. What? This kid opens a window, his shirt's flailing in the breeze, and all we see is just like rippling body and like toned pecs. And I'm like, this this is a boarding school, so he has to be under 18. How much time does this kid spend in the gym? Do they even have a gym? No, probably not. But it was like, why do you have abs? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, So what's your next what the fuck? All right, so I'll go ahead and do my last two what the fucks. All right, so there's a scene where Christina and Nicole are talking. Basically, you know, Michelle was, he was awful. He was yeah, abusive. Actually, he was abusive to both of them, I believe. Uh, maybe more so to Christina. And she talks about how she basically wanted to murder Michael all along. Like, I think there was a part where she even told Nicole that she was carrying a knife on her. And I'm like, so actually, Christina wanted to kill her husband this whole entire time. Like, I don't even know if Nicole had to. I say Nicole pushed her into doing the murder, but I know that was whole the whole plot. Yeah, she was living in fear of him, though, like carrying a knife. She was. May not even be to kill him, just to like, just to like scare him off. But I know, but like, I think she would have, if given the opportunity, she probably would have killed him because he was a piece of shit to her. Like he's like slapped the. Well, she he slapped the shit out of her, like, and she just stands there. Yes, this it's like disgusting, and then. We go into kind of my final, well, my final what the fuck, and it's when they're eating, and I think that's when they had the fish and everything. Well, he, I don't know what it was that they were serving, but he, like, slops this food onto her plate. Well, she kept telling him, I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. You know, like, she didn't want to eat anything, and he still forces her to eat, and he's basically making her eat this disgusting fish and you can tell fish. she is crying. It's oh, like, yeah, the he's like, swallow, swallow it. And it's like, what kind of fucking sadist motherfucker is this? Like, you know, like, well, are you it just drives the point? Like, th- th- there's not an aspect of this woman's life or body that he does not dominate. Yeah, exactly. It was like. Like, oh I will God. take your body when it suits me, and I will even tell you when to eat. <sighs> Fuck that. I mean, she did do a good job, though, because that whole scene made you kind of feel bad. It made you feel really bad for her because you see that she didn't want to eat, and she just was letting him know, I'm not hungry, I don't want to eat. And he was being a dick. And especially, I think it holds us whole- of everybody. Exactly. The, the faculty and the, the school, controversy like, of that. He's just like, don't you dare fucking disobey me. Exactly. And I think that makes it even more um, embarrassing to um, and it basically just fucking degrades you when you have someone act like that in front of a big group of people. And you know that she handled it as best as she could. But it was like swallow the fish like bitch. 
she knew that shit wasn't any good. That's why she made the comment about how the kids were not being fed properly. Because I think that, you know, Michelle just wanted, he wanted money. That was the whole, wasn't that the basis of it? He knew that if he killed her, if she died, he could sell the school and be rich. Yeah. Fuck him, piece of shit. I wish he would have actually died in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Die. Uh, so is that your last what the fuck? That's, yeah, basically that's my last what the fuck. Okay, so now we'll take it to the kill of the week. And uh, it goes to the ending because it's the only actual kill. Like, we think there was a kill earlier in the movie, but nope. Only at the end when she gets terrified to death. But man, was it fucking terrifying. Like, everything leading up to it, and then as it was happening, I was Mm -hmm. exhilarated. Yes, I'm going to agree with you on that. Uh, that was basically what I said in my kill of the week as well. So, because you know, mm-hmm, you think that Michael dies, guess what? Or Michelle, whatever, he doesn't really die. <laughs> <laughs> it's poor Christina, we think. Yeah. So, and you know, I didn't really like her much because she was just like too soft and unreliable, like even to the point where. Like, up to the rest of the movie where I thought, like, oh, Michelle is dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I just keep thinking, like, this is going to unravel, and it's going to be because of her shooting her mouth or, like, just acting all fidgety and squirrely. Yeah. Like, you killed a bad man, just fucking move on with your life. But she's just like, oh, no, they're going to they're gonna catch me. I'm going to burn in hell. It's like, your life was already hell with him. So That's true. And she had some sort of, what was it, her religious beliefs? Because I think, I think there was a part where he basically... Yeah, she has a little altar. Yeah. She basically was like, well, he said to her that, like, you wouldn't really divorce me because of your religious beliefs. And I think he even said that he couldn't believe that she grew up in the uh, convent or something. I don't remember. Yeah, he's, yeah, he said that. But he was being so, like... He's been so fucking condescending to her. Yeah, the scandal, the scandal, God. like nobody, like nobody would marry <clears throat> you. And oh, I hate him. But also, when you, we do our kill of the week, you know, I said basically the same thing as you. But also, I added that you know we we do see that Christina dies from shock of seeing the fact that you know Michelle is fucking not dead. But question mark. Question mark, big question mark, because I'm all about conspiracy. Does she actually die? Because the little boy, Moynette, or whatever his name was, he says he sees her right there at the very end. And then it just end credits. It's it's done. So you have no idea. But he wasn't lying when he said that he saw Michelle. They thought he was lying, but he wasn't. And he did get his slingshot back. Exactly. See what I'm saying? I think this. I think there was a lot of undertones in this movie. Again, what did the cops save her life by giving her? Uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen any uh, episodes of Star Trek, the original series. Mm-mm, I haven't. Uh, the, I've seen very few. Like I haven't seen all of them. Mm-hmm. But one I did see was when uh, Kirk and Spock end up going back to Planet Vulcan. And uh, Spock is going through something called Ponfar, which is like every seven years they have to mate. It's basically like like Vulcan heat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the way they do it is they 
at least in this episode. Yeah. He ended up having to fight someone for the right to mate. And because uh, through some circumstance or another, like, I just can't tell you anything else because I just don't know it or remember it. Yeah. He ended up fighting Kirk in some gladiator situation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it was because, like, he couldn't get a mate. So he had to release his, his like, Klingon uh, Vulcan energy or lust or, or emotions in some passionate outburst. And if not uh, in mating, then it had to be, like, in a, in a fight to the death. Oh. I'm just surmising. I, I can't remember specifically. But the point is, is uh, he ends up fighting Kirk in this awesome gladi- gladiator type scene. Mm-hmm. And he ends up killing Kirk. He, like, chokes him to okay. death. And, like, he, that's how he gets his release. And he's, like, fucking bummed out afterwards because he's just like, you know, I survived. But, you know, my friend didn't. I'm, like, I'm really sad. Yeah. And then Kirk comes out and he goes, like, well, I'm glad you missed me. And then, like, for the, it's, it's remarkable because, like, he actually, like, smiles and, like, like laughs. Like, he's like, Jim, you're alive. Like, he actually expresses emotion on the show. And then, like, he collects himself and he's like, ah, I don't understand. And then, uh, uh, Dr. McCoy is just like, oh, I gave him like a uh, uh, a sedative that would act like mm-hmm. in a, in a certain amount of time after administering to him to uh, fake a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So maybe so, there was some inkling to that then. That's what I'm thinking. Like maybe yeah. that's what this cop did because he's like uh, an old wise man. He gave her like this weird, uh, you know, 15 minute heart attack yeah. sedative because he, he apparently he fucking knew Michelle was alive. Because he told her you'd be acquitted. Exactly. So I figured he was so far ahead of everyone. Like, he had, like, a god-tier omniscience. So he, mm-hmm. like, while she was asleep, gave her this <clears throat> this 15-minute instant heart attack medicine. Yeah. So that, you know, because he knows she's a terrible actress. She yeah. couldn't fake her death. <laughs> so he had to actually kill her. Yeah. And then revive her himself. Or it was just a conspiracy in the sense of... Once she was speaking with this, you know, retired detective, um, perhaps she knew. But this is the thing. We don't know for 100% certain that she didn't know that maybe Michelle was actually not dead. And maybe, maybe the the cop came to her, though. This is this is me because I start going down the fucking Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole. I'm like, wait a minute. So maybe he finds out that, like, obviously Michelle's not dead. And he knows this whole conspiracy with him and Nicole are going on because they're trying to kill Christina. But they went up them. So, like, let's fake our death. Let's pretend. Let's let Christina pretend to die. But then the little boy sees her. And that little boy was not a fucking liar. I don't care what Nicole said. (laughs) He wasn't a pathological liar. Well, he's the one boy everybody trusted. Like, Michelle, he knew. he's trying to fake his death, mm-hmm. but yet he ends up still, he has to punish this kid, even though he's yeah. supposed to, like, hang out in, like, the fucking attic. Exactly. Exactly. He just, I have to come out, I have to fuck with Monterey. I, I have to ruin his day. I have to do Yes. I hate that fucking kid. Even if it, even <laughs> if it risks ruining this entire plan. Yeah. By, by him, like, reporting my continued existence to the cops or anybody. I I need to I need to take his fucking slingshot. I fucking hate that kid. It's I just, need to make him I need to make him sit in the corner for 6 hours. 
But also, this is my I thing this too. Kid to suffer. I hate all my students, but I hate him the most. Well, he was he was just being a fucking kid. But also, this is my thing. Like you know that uh, Michelle's having the affair with Nicole, and Christina knows this as well. Even if it's not exactly implicated in the movie, I think she knows. So, like, why go through the trouble of even killing her? I get that. I guess he wanted to kill her because he knew he could sell the school and they were trying to become rich. Yeah, he controls but, the school, but she still owns it. But so. he was already fucking the mistress. So if you just wanted to be with her, you could have just it's been with her. He well, I, I guess money, money trumps love. <laughs> That's oh, money, the moral. Help, money helps love. Uh, I don't know. I think money like, trumps it. Yeah, you you could you could like be banging your your hot teacher in the attic of a school, and that's okay. Or you could be banging her in the Alps. Yeah, but did he really even love Nicole? That was the thing. Like, did he really? Come on, maybe, maybe. I mean, he he didn't kill her too. He didn't, and but... she knows everything, so she's a loose end. So he trusted her. I guess so. I guess so. But so did Christina. But she was not to be trusted. Because she was a fucking backstabbing bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, and first of all, Michelle wasn't even attractive. Why are y'all fighting over him? Uh, I guess he's attractive for French. I don't know. I don't know any French people. Really. I don't know anybody that's French that's attractive. I mean, I did don't we, know. Did we see anybody else who was prettier? than No. No, room? not really. <laughs> Just the women. But yeah, well, like. <laughs> I would say, like, you could see some of the teenage boys might potentially be more attractive when they got older, but they were kids. Yeah, like that so. fucking Fabio boy with the Yeah, I, right? He's like, I'm really 27. <laughs> 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 what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so, we'll get to the rating. Okay. <laughs> uh, my rating is, I'm giving this uh, five slingshot busted windows oh, out of five. Because <laughs> it, it was a thriller. It lived up to its name. Uh -huh. It teased plenty of supernatural suspense moments. Uh, it was exciting. The, you know, some characters were sympathetic. Others were hateable. But, like, not because they were acted poorly, but because, like, they were just written so well, you just wanted to fucking hate them yeah, so that's much. True. So the characters got the emotions that they were, that, that you wanted to get out of them. Uh, they were well acted. Mm -hmm. The music was very tense. Uh, excellent use of scenery and lighting. Mm -hmm. uh, there was so much thriller and suspense. Like up until the very last minute, you don't know. Is he back from the grave? Was he dead to begin with? Did, did somebody find his body? Is there a, is there a third uh, conspirator? Yeah, just don't fucking know. That's true. That's true. So that's good writing when you can't, when you have no idea what to believe. Yeah. Until the very end, the writing did its fucking job. That's true. I, I, I'm going to agree with you, though my rating is not as high as yours. <laughs> <laughs> I accept that. I know. I know. I know you love this film. But, um, okay, so my rating, Jesus Christ. I gave it two basket of French fries out of five. Oh, no. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So, you know, the ending, I really did enjoy the ending. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like I thought, oh my God, we're fixing to get into something really like suspenseful. But to be honest with you, 
the base, the most of the movie, I feel like it was dragged on a little too long. I feel like there was a lot of just emptiness that for me that happened in the film. And I thought, okay, why is it taking almost two hours for them to reveal that Michelle's not actually dead? It was kind of just a lot of boring scenes in between to me that would happen. It was just to show like the mental toll it would take on the women when when, like the perfect crime goes horribly wrong. Something that like one of them thought out every single detail. Mm -hmm. And yet this one thing nobody could have anticipated coming happens. Yeah, and and I get that, and I do get that, and I and I did put that into consideration, but and and also the reason why I gave it the rating that rating was because you know I you know we've talked about this I'm not a very big fan of black and white films I can tolerate them, but when you add subtitles, it makes my rating go down because I'm having to do double the work to pay attention to the film. And I get it. A lot of people like foreign films and a lot of foreign films, they may come with subtitles. Like I told you before, um, I watched High Tension, which was, uh, I think it was like mid, early 2000s when it came out. Okay. But it was dubbed over in English. So I saw it at the theater and I was like, okay, clearly you could tell that it was dubbed, but it, it wasn't so bad that you couldn't pay attention to what was going on in the film. This movie, because we had to have the subtitles, I'm like, holy shit, did I just miss what somebody said? I have to pay attention to the words, but at the same time, I have to pay attention to what's actually going on in the movie. And other than the facial expressions and the, you know, you kind of get that, I was like, oh my God, I keep reading this and I won't look up. And there was a couple scenes where I probably maybe I maybe missed something because I was like, oh, I got to make sure I see what they say, so I can kind of compare it to my thoughts when I'm taking my notes. But um, also, let me add that French fries are actually not French, and because because I didn't enjoy this film, that's why I, <laughs> that's why I gave that rating. <laughs> They're not French. Everybody's like. French fries. I don't really exactly know where the term originated for that, but they're not French. <laughs> they're not. Are they? Or am I wrong? Uh, I'll just give a quick look. Yeah, I don't. I, I honestly think that that's, that's not correct as far as like French fries. <laughs> Y'all gonna learn something. Belgium. Okay, see? But why are they why are they called French fries though? Because they fried them. Well, they fried them, but like, what's the French part? Well, Belgium is like right next to France. Okay, well, um, that's true. That is true. Well, maybe my review, maybe my rating wasn't as funny as I anticipated it to be. <laughs> I actually was going to go with a different verbiage, but then I was like, okay, this movie. <sighs> Like I said, I really loved the ending. I did. I was all for it. I was like, oh, my God. Here we go. Suspense. Like, she's walking down the hallway, and she's freaking out because she hears footsteps, and she hears the typewriter. Kind of like you said, it was like a a note to The Shining or or a nod to The Shining. Well, you can see where The Shining got it from because they did it first. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. So at the very, very beginning... I, and I think I forgot to kind of add this in because I wasn't sure if it would 
even be relevant. But at the very beginning um, of the movie, you have the car that Michelle's actually driving into the school, and you see this little sailboat that's in a little, like, mud puddle. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that reminded me of It. Because, <laughs> you know, he yeah, has a little paper sailboat. Yeah, he does the puddle. And so, obviously, this movie was made way before It. But I thought about it, and I was like, I wonder if people go and watch these older horror films. Um, I don't know that I would consider this an actual horror film. Um, maybe for 1955, that would make sense that it would be considered a horror film. But, you know, you know what kind of shit I usually watch, and it's, it's typically not, you know, from, from this far back. So, well, it definitely seemed I like just, horror was possible because, like, there's the implication that he was alive from beyond the grave rather than, like, in the thriller, it's just like, oh, a cannibal is after me. Exactly. So you have kind of this whole zombie, undead, living dead aspect going on. And at first I was like, oh, my God, is this, is this where they're going with it? Like, is this where they're actually going with it? But then And you just really, don't know until the last minute. Exactly. And it was just this plot twist where Nicole wanted it. To be with him. <laughs> yeah, I want to be with my abusive, smelly bastard. Yeah, that made Christina take his shoes off for him. It's like, bitch, you can't take your own shoes off. Or your arms broke. Because <laughs> I know I gave you the sedative, but what the fuck? I don't know. He just he treated her so badly, and I probably would have had a heart attack, too, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, oh, I give up. So bad. Well, you know, who, eh. who knows if they make like a, a an English version of this where you don't have to deal with subtitles and they actually like get closer to the novel. Mm. Other than the remake or well, not really, I wouldn't say remake. What was the one from 1996? But yeah. we haven't seen that one. So yeah, we don't. That one did not do well. So it's pro they probably fucked it up somewhere else. Yeah, so we need to we we need to see or we need to have an actual I don't know if you want to call it remake or reimagination of this film, but let's base it basically on the novel. Yeah, so you know what if you want to if you want to support the show like a lot or tell like, <laughs> a bunch of friends to support the so the show so we can make this fan this fan remake. That's right. You know, hit us up at patreon.com slash graveyard to support the show for as little as a dollar of the month. You can get uh, some extra episodes. And if we see some activity on the Patreon, we'll actually make like more content for it. There you go. There you go. Do it, people. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we uh, Pride Month will continue. We will have, you know, color movies. For the rest of the month. Yes. Yay. And they're all in English. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yay. We don't want to spoil anything for you guys, but I do. I got to pick one of the movies and I'm very excited. Woo. Yeah. And it's I'm one I excited. haven't seen yet, but I have heard great yes. things. So I'm hopeful. It's great. It's great. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> hopefully, we, hopefully we'll both be able to agree on what great movies are again. I, I think so. I I feel like you're going to really love this movie. I don't think that you're... I think we're going to be on the same page this time. Yay. <laughs> Yay. So we will continue Pride Month next week. Mm -hmm. But until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm Heather. 
and thank you for joining us on The Graveyard Shift. The Graveyard Shift is a Strange Biscuits production. Visit our website at strangebiscuits.com slash graveyardshift to hear all of our previous episodes. Subscribe to us, rate, and review us on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our Instagram at The Graveyard Shift Pod, as well as our Facebook at The Graveyard Shift Pod. Our Twitter is GS underscore Horror Pod. And if you wish to support the show financially, visit us at patreon.com slash graveyard. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show and get bonus content. The theme for The Graveyard Shift is As Brutal As It Ever Was by Technoaxe. Visit their website at technoaxe.com and their YouTube channel for more royalty-free music. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay spooky. Ha 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 